views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Welcome to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. Now here's your host, Dr. Pat. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome. And you know, thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And for many of you, you know that uh, this show that we started to do, oh, about 10 years ago, um, we started to do this show from a place in the United States that still to this day will not recognize that Lyme disease exists. Although I am a gal from New York City and New Jersey, I am very aware and familiar with Lyme disease. Today, the Lyme disease cure with Dr. Cass Ingram joining me on the show. For many of you, you know who he is, but just in case you don't, you know, he is somebody that is broken out into the world and has said, wait a minute, we can not only look at finding a cure, but how about prevention? How about looking at what we can do, whether you think you have Lyme disease or not, but what kind of shape can we put our immune systems in in order to help us? He's written hundred over a hundred of health tips, many books on health, nutrition, disease prevention, and much more. Um, but he's joining me here today, a nutritional physician who is way more than that. We're here to talk about and we're fired up to expose Lyme disease as you've not heard it talked about before. Dr. Ingram, great to have you here. Welcome to the show. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, it's a hot zone almost everywhere in the United States, and especially this year, it's a tick danger. Boy, oh boy, talk about exposing it. Yes, it's a, it's a massive cause of disease in the United States. Unfathomable. Yeah. I know. I was just in Pittsburgh in a super hot pandemic zone. I gave five lectures at five different facilities. The number of cases is beyond comprehension, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So here's what I like about this and what you and I are going to talk about today is um, I moved to the state of Washington and the CDC has a really interesting way they go about this. So they first ask you if you're from Washington state. If you're from Washington state, they won't give you the test because Lyme doesn't live here. But if you oh say you're God. from the East Coast, they'll give you the test. And then when they report it, they report that, wait a minute, our cases are people that really didn't get it here. I, I want to ask you this. How does the deer tick know not to cross the border? <laughs> I, I'm just curious. You've been uh, out there. That's a conspiracy by the, fe the powers to be in Washington mm -hmm. State to prevent anybody, tourists, uh, locals, you know, people that like the world. They don't want anybody to know that Lyme disease is endemic in Washington state. Mm. And let me tell you something. That Lyme tick, it can be transported by a bird. How's it not going to be in, in wilderness land, Washington state or Oregon or California or Arizona? You see? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the people in Louisiana, the medics say there's no Lyme disease in Louisiana. Of course, there's many thousands of cases. So, don't you got that right, man? Did you analyze that one? Well, here's the deal. You know, here's the great news about where I live now, and may, and I'd love for you to talk about this. I live in a place where we have some of the best natural doctors on the planet, the home of Bastyr University. 
We yeah. have people here like Dr. Nusheen Darvish that came out in the forefront and said, you know what? I don't care what you people are saying. She wouldn't say it like that. I say it like that. Mm-hmm. But, but what she said is, look, we're going to treat this. I want to ask you this question. In your book, The Lyme Disease Cure, you have seen, you have been, you have spoken with people. I got to ask you this question. What the heck is the problem here? Okay, the problem is that the Lyme pathogen that causes the most debacle and destruction is a corkscrew parasite, a bacteria similar to syphilis, but more aggressive in many ways, a corkscrew, a spirochete. And it has the capacity with a spike on its head and its attachment zone on the butt side to bore into any tissue, but has a predilection to eat cartilage, uh, and therefore Lyme arthritis, to eat the brain, and therefore uh, neuroborreliosis, and to multiply in the brain and spinal cord, and in the nerve sheaths, and to travel up the nerve sheaths, and to eat the skin, therefore Lyme lupus, and Lyme scleroderma, and Lyme borrelia rash, you know, bullseye rash. Look, it didn't just come out of, you know, thin air and mm-hmm. it's been here for 400 years and just decide. No, it broke out in old Lyme and Lyme, Connecticut. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with an outbreak zone. It yeah. didn't happen there. It broke out there. So how could it break out? Something close by has to be looked at. Enter Plum Island. Yeah. Give me a break. What's Plum Island doing nine miles as the bird flies or the wind blows from the outbreak zone? What's Plum Island doing? Bioterror research. It should be, it should be terrorism research lab, not mm-hmm. research terrorism, terrorism causing lab, okay? So what's Plum Island doing? It's injecting ticks with germs. You can tell me it's a coincidence. And it's the hard USDA, to believe. It's, it's hard, hard to, believe. to believe. It's really hard. Well, you you know. remember the West Nile outbreak? Remember how the media handled like it was something mysterious? Yeah. Yeah. What's West Nile doing breaking out in Suffolk County, killing horses, then moving on to the mainland, killing some humans? How did it do that? Doesn't it live in, 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 in Africa? Yeah. How did it, how's it, it's, trop, it's tropical, it can't break out. Well, enter Plum Island, three miles as the wind blows to the north in Long Island Sound. Analyze it, three, four miles. What are they doing? Admitted West Nile virus research injecting at mosquitoes. This is where it came from. So now we're dealing with a biological agent. That makes it a different scenario than just some tick somewhere. That just all of a sudden starts to grow more because the weather changed or something. Or there's more, more deer. No, 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 no. Something different going on here. It has to be different because, honestly, if you really look at that argument, right, because you and I, we're pretty, pretty logical people. But if you look at that argument, then wait a minute. Why don't we see it or why don't we see heavier populations further away from that zone? Meaning, That's right. how about the state that I live in where, you know, if you're living in western Washington, it, it, it doesn't freeze in the winter, or how yeah, about California? It, you should have tons of lime there, but you don't have tons. Mm-hmm. You have tons and tons and tons and tons in New Jersey, Connecticut, yeah. hot zones, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. uh, New York. And, of course, uh, by, by proxy, you would expect it in the scrub of Wisconsin and Minnesota because those are scrubby, you know, brushy national forest areas. But who's to say they didn't do some uh, research there? Uh, uh, Bergdorferi died with a lot of secrets, you know. He said, I haven't told the story when he, before he died. Yeah. The story is that Berg, the Borrelia Bergdorferi is a biological agent until proven otherwise. You mm-hmm. cannot have an all... See, cholera, did cholera come out of thin air? It's been around a while, hasn't it? Yeah. How about <laughs> dengue fever? It's been around. How about... Uh, smallpox and polio. They've been around. Why can't nobody in the United States and North America ever have a bullseye rash? A lot of people got bit by ticks in the 40s and 50s, 20s, 30s. Nobody had any Lyme disease. 
Right. I, I mean, it's not like, well, you know, you know, it's not like, wait a minute, the, the tick just got born that has this. I mean, it, it from a biological per, per, a perspective and even, even from a disease spreading perspective, that notion doesn't even make sense. But yet here no. we are struggling and battling to have our country, this country in particular, the United States, so let's stay here for a minute, have us recognize that, wait a minute, it does exist. There are people suffering. And by the way, there may be a few folks out there, Dr. Ingram, that know what to do about it. But yet we're not Nobody being asked. Yeah. But no. we're not being asked. Look, we're not coming together the, and saying. This is the issue, mm -hmm. exactly what you're saying. There's no government policy, state policies, uh, a gratuitous agency policy to warn the general public to care and love about the people sufficiently to give them due warning about Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. There's no medical uh, uh, journals or, or groups or societies or warning the medical profession to be on the alert for the disease. Nobody cares. Mm. Or it's the opposite. It's covered up. It's suppressed. That's what's really going on. And the people are pushed around. They come in. I say, I think I might have Lyme. They make, make little of them. The people themselves know more than the doctor. They suspect that this is what's going on. I had a lady. I was in my lecture in Pittsburgh. Nice little lady. She came in. She, she, came, she was walking with a tremor. She has a tremor, 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 tremor. She sat down. I said, you know, it was halfway through my lecture. I said, yeah. now, like this lady with the tremor, there's two of them with tremor right here. They probably have Lyme undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. And she piped up and said, she started crying. Doctor, for 20 years, I don't know, 15, 20 years, I've been suffering, and no one would believe me. Finally, she got a positive test, you see. Mm. But... I, I, I could tell she had Lyme right there. See, whenever I give a lecture, just to show you the scope of it, if there's 50 people in the audience or 100 people, whatever, and five of them, 10 of them say they have diagnosed Lyme, I said, that's not it. We're going to find more. I end up finding another 15 or 20 cases in the audience by history, by physical. What I'm telling you is the CDC says there's going to be three or 400,000 cases new this year, new cases. I'm telling you it's going to be four or five million. Oh, yeah. Two million. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? And, and let's yeah. talk about this because you have a very unique perspective, right, on the physical, mental aspects of, of this disease. I, I, I'm coming in to, to the place with, the, with the, a new psychological perspective because that's my little feel. Yeah. And here's what I want to say. From a psychological perspective, the number of people that are so not wanting to even consider that they have Lyme disease would more likely go to a conventional doctor that gives them a diagnosis of lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, mm. or anything mm. else. Because, MS. Mm. And, and here's why. At least if I get a diagnosis of even something that I may not have, at least I can feel like there's a treatment for this thing yeah. I may not have. It's really, it's really now an emotional disease because people cannot find the kind of help. Tell us from your point right. of view, what are you seeing? What are, are there new symptoms you're seeing? And are there people getting treatment that works? I know your book is, is amazing, but what can we oh, say to oh, folks oh. today? What you're seeing is that the Lyme is, a, is an aggressor that the immune system cannot deal with, you see. And so it's causing a, a wide litany of, of diseases and syndromes. So, so first of all, even if the physicians had an alertness, they wouldn't make the diagnosis correctly. So let's start with this. Let's see how many people listening to your show have hidden Lyme. Somebody ends up with you know, they're tired. They don't know why I'm so tired. I'm not typically this tired. I'm sleeping like a sleeping sickness. And, 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 and they, they may have some headaches, may not. But then all of a sudden the knee doesn't work. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All of a sudden they can't walk right. The, the ankle goes bum. All of a sudden the, sh the shoulder, the delta, the shoulder goes bum. And they can't put their arm through a shirt or a suit or something. Blouse. 
and they can't even nice start dropping. They grab something and they drop it. They can't hold on to it. They can't. They can't make a grip. See, they, they, maybe all of a sudden, maybe something else. Uh, they can't unscrew a jarlet and all that. But maybe it's something else. Maybe they all of a sudden they go paralyzed. Half their body, an arm, you know, and and the, nobody diagnoses it as Lyme. If I saw something that like that, I'd know it was Lyme right away. Somebody has a, a drop leg, you know, they drag their foot unless they got injured in the fibular head or something. Right. Lyme disease. So, somebody had Bell's palsy. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's Lyme until proven otherwise today. Somebody's presenting with MS symptoms. Like you said, they'd almost rather get the, okay, I've got MS. I got MS. Well, I don't want to have, no, I have Lyme. Uh, and it's Lyme disease. You know, when Lyda Matman did her study, she took the brain biopsies and brain material and she looked at it. She had a special stain. She found in, in 95% of the Lou Gehrig's cases, the Lyme spirochete yeah. was causing the damage. In, in almost 100% of the MS, 80, 90% of the dementia, Alzheimer's, had the spirochete. Yeah. Total. So am I saying correctly 2 million new cases? Minimum 1 million. Minimum three times the CDC. This year, maybe 2 million. We have to have a high alertness to this. Now, what are the standard symptoms? Bullseye rash, if you're lucky, the concentric rash. You feel right. like you're burning up. But not always. Not, not always. Not always the bullseye. You can still get the fever. You can get the fever. You can feel lousy without yep. the bullseye. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and, and then uh, you might not see the bullseye. Like me, it was on my back. Right. I didn't know it was there until the very end when it was right. starting to fizzle. So... So then you have the issue of this one joint arthritis that migrates and, and you know, and, and sickness, flu. That's, the, that's what the CDC says. Well, it's more complicated than that. It's a great mimic. It can cause, I've had a case present with just very gross depression. That was the only symptom. It ended up positive with Lyme. It was attacking her brain. No wonder she was depressed. So it's uh, anxiety, irritability, can be. Chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, lupus, you mentioned it hits the skin hard. Yeah. So it can cause scleroderma and lupus. So, uh, you know, eyes, it, it'll attack the back of the eye, causing blindness, color blindness. Maybe not blindness, but it'll cause the eye to protrude. It's a hit in the eye, causing inflammation. It's yeah. uh, horrifying. Well, you know, let me ask you this question because, um, I, you know, so much we want to talk about here that I, I'd really rather skip some of the breaks here. Um, one of the things that I think I find interesting in talking to people, especially people, let's just come up with a number, let's say 50 years and older, um, and here they are and a few things start to show up. One of them is, you know, gee, mom is just not remembering, you know, like she used to. You know, she's not as sharp yeah. as she used to. So, you know, what we what we do is we go right away to, well, wait a minute, she's getting older. Her memory is supposed to slip. And maybe if you keep watching it and mom actually blacks out for a little bit and the car goes off the road, maybe that's a little dementia. So isn't it really this lack of knowledge we have really doesn't help us between help us at sifting all. out? Right. No, it doesn't help us at all. I hope the whole world buys the Lyme disease cure, not because I'm into... I, I never say such a thing, but mm -hmm. in this case, it should be in every home. Yeah. Because at least you have all the, the mimics that appendix has the various other s symptomology or diseases that Lyme can cause, plus the case histories, plus my presentation. I constantly thread my Lyme disease case in throughout the book and all the struggles and difficulties that I went through until I got well. Uh, and then I've got, of course, the important thing is how in the world do you get rid of it? How do you prevent it? And we'll get into it. But, but that's the situation. Well, it's let's let's just talk about this too, because the book. I agree with you completely. I mean, you've laid this out—a br brilliant path to wellness, but also in a way where people have hope. And I find that you know, there's so much in the Lyme community, especially your journey, my journey, which would point to the fact that you know, don't have hope, you're really powerless. But your book is really not that. It is no. about 
a cure, the Lyme disease cure. Can you take us on a journey as to where do we start with this? Does it come with the first part of awareness and admission that maybe this could be happening? Yes, I think so. It's going to have to be that because nobody wants to admit that the world is like that, that they can't go in their own backyard. 70% of the Lyme occurs in somebody's within 100 yards of your house. They can't walk the dog that the dog, their loving dogs uh, that they bring into the house and some people sleep with them and everything else, could they actually have caused the tick to drop off and got them? That, that, they, that they can't just be like the, the standard American way of you know, just going out in the backyard in shorts and sandals. They, it, nobody wants to realize that, that fishing, hunting, everything's dangerous now. So, so most people aren't like you said, psychologically alert to the fact that they could, they want to go into denial right away. I've seen this too. So it does, it shocks you. The book puts you into shock mode. Uh, it's because I'm, I did it. Okay. I took my guard down in Wisconsin when I was doing my research. I mean, I don't know. I was at the top of my game in my health. I have a picture on, I put a picture up of how fantastic I looked and smiling the last day I was doing that picking. And, and then week later, I thought I was dead for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't see how I could recover. I got hit and hit hard. I didn't know what I had until I found the bullseye rash. I was burning up. I took my fists and would squeeze my temples to get relief. My head was exploding. It wasn't a headache. I couldn't sleep. Uh, I, uh, I, I felt like I was burning alive inside. I was exhausted. I couldn't work. And then all of a sudden I couldn't walk. And then I couldn't put my shirt, my arm through my shirt. And then I started dropping things. And at that time, I felt the burning so badly on my back, I turned around and I looked with this little mirror and I saw a bullseye rash on my back. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know it was there. And the tick was gone. And, and, I, and I said, oh, geez, you got Lyme. And after two weeks, what I did was this. I said, I'm not going to do the antibiotics. It's too late anyway. And I'm not going to be a cripple to medicine. What am I going to do? So I said, well, a lot of people know I helped invent this oil of oregano phenomenon, oil of oregano, yeah, like oil of time. You know, it's a germicide. We both know about it. So I said, oh, I'll yep. take the oil of oregano. And it's the P73. I don't have to buy an off-brand. I don't know what it is or isn't. I got the P73 at my home. I got six bottles of Super Strength right in my house. I said, well, I'll bomb myself with the Super Strength. I mean, I was so screwed up. I didn't even know what I was doing to take something the first few days. So, so I'm, I'm bombing it out. I'm thinking I got the juice of oregano. I got the super strength. I got the Oregamax. I have them in my house. Two weeks later, you know, I'm very hopeful. I'm going to myself. I must've got this for a reason. It has to be a reason I'm telling because I didn't get better. I'm still miserable. So for three weeks, I'm totally miserable. Three months later, I start, I, I'm staring at myself. I'm saying, you know, you're not a lot better. You're not worse, but you're not any better. What's going on? So I said, you know what? I'm sick of this Lyme. Yeah. I've had it. I'm, you know, I'm tired of it. I'm going to do something about it. So I took a whole bottle of super strength, I think a hundred drops. I dumped it in a glass of water. <laughs> I drank the whole thing at once. And I took 120 gel caps of this uh, super strength wild oregano oil. I dumped it into a jar or a glass. I dumped a bunch of oregoresp in there, and I mixed it up, and I started gobbling them down. I think I took (laughs) 200 capsules a day. And, you know, I I, I got out of it. In a week's time, I I was able to be a human being again. You're not a human being if you have fulminant lime. You're toast. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question just came in about this. Let me get this question on air to you. Uh, hi, hi, Dr. Pat. Hi, Dr. Ingram. I got a question for you. Have you ever, uh, Jody from, I think that's that's got to be Missouri. Uh, I, I got a question for you. Have you ever taken the oregano oil? Have you ever taken the oregano oil and then had an allergic reaction to the oil? Uh, no. And and what is that? Is that an allergic reaction to the oil, or is that the lime reacting to the oil? Oh, this yes. is a question. It's a very good question. Wow. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to answer that right now. If you're good taking question. the piece, if you exactly, if you're taking the P73 material, we know that material. We know it's totally natural and wild. If you're taking that in particular, maybe another good oregano oil, maybe whatever you're taking, but this particular material, and you are having Lyme and then you have a rash 
or you have a flu, or you have a kind of a sickness, that's a Herxheimer reaction. Wow. That's from the destruction. It means a good thing. You're starting to destroy the Lyme bacillus. And wow. the poison from that Lyme is so toxic it makes you look like you're sick or be sick. I had it happen too because I thought I was pretty well, and then I started to feel funny about a month later, and I started hitting that oregoresp and the oil real hard. And I ended up with a Herxheimer, so I still had some of my tissues, you see. I ended up with an elbow that swelled up like a sack the size of a grapefruit. And I kept pushing that thing around. And I mean, so yes, it could have been a Herxheimer. You can't be allergic to oregano oil if right, it's right. from the wild spice. Right, right. No. But, but that's a great question, though, right there. That's a really good yeah. question. Because um, a Herxheimer can be fatal. You know, you have to understand this. The yeah. Lyme is so serious that you have to, if you get a Herxheimer, this is what I tell people to do. If you got your wits about you and you don't need hospitalization, double and triple the dose. Okay. Because you're on the road to getting rid of it. You just okay. killed a few trillion spirochetes. You know. Okay. That's what, th uh, thank you for that question. Um, listen, I want to ask you, I got a couple more questions coming in. They're being typed in as we're speaking. Um, listen, I, it, one of the questions is, and you address this in your book, uh, you know what? I found a tick. I took it off. I didn't save it, but, uh, y you know, I don't have the bullseye. How do I know that it bit me? Well, well if, yeah. Yeah, I don't even know the answer to that, but that is a really good question. If it if 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 it would have had to have bite you if you if it wasn't crawling, if it was if you had to pull it off with a tweezer, if you had to prick it off, right, it already bit you. Right. But the, if it's I had crawling, a woman. If it's if crawling, it's crawling it had, no, it can't bite you if it's crawling. No, he right. has to go ninety degrees to the flesh right, and good. inject you with and, and get his you know his spikes in there. Good, but. The the thing is, you have to know, you have to know that if I had a woman who had a tick on only for three hours and she got Lyme disease, you see, they keep publishing a lot of disinformation and misinformation. Tell us we know what she some had of the Lyme. misinformation is. Tell us, because you cover so much in your book, and I think it's really eye-opening. Give us some of the, what you consider some of the myths to be about what the public or the doctors are saying that we should really get a have a different we perspective should, on. You and I should write a blog, The Myths of the Lyme. Okay, I'm, I'm number on one. We're, uh, we're on it. Number one myth is that you can't get Lyme if, you, uh, if it's on only for three to eight hours. False. You can get the Lyme if it's on for an hour. You can get the Lyme if you squeeze the tick and you're not hygienic, and somehow that stuff gets onto your system. It's yeah. your eye. Yeah. Uh, you can, myth number two, Lyme disease is a tick-borne disease. False. Spiders, mosquitoes, fleas, and some other flies can bite you sufficiently if they have the spirochete because they were on a rat or something like that. You can get it from them. Not usually as severe, but you mm -hmm. can get it. Lyme disease is, uh, the blood bank is safe. No. Many, many thousands of cases every year from, from the blood. You see, and it's not you can't screen it for the Lyme because it mute, it molts into its cell wall deficient or its L form or what have you. Uh, the other myth is that no worries, you're not going to have a in between husband and wife or what have you. It's totally sexually transmitted, proven by human studies. Mm -hmm. Total. Uh, myth number next is the treatment with antibiotics is uh, routine and successful. No. Sometimes the antibiotics work if you catch it right away, but if you're a week into it, they're probably not going to work. And in chronic Lyme, it never works. Never. It's never going to clear it in chronic Lyme. It's just the uh, Lyme will mutate and molt. Uh, so those are the, the, the other big one is Lyme disease is not in a high incidence in states outside of the eastern seaboard, uh, northern eastern seaboard, and in uh, oh, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in Wisconsin and that's a total fabrication. I've seen a fair amount of cases in Phoenix. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think uh, that right there is one of the most, um, let's just talk about that for a minute, because if there's one message that I have right now in getting the word out, you know, by the way, we've been doing this show for about, I'd say, uh, 10, 4, 5, 10, 14, 
for about 12 years before it was even fashionable to talk about Lyme disease. Isn't that, that something? Well, that's because we had a, you know, we live in a state that doesn't recognize it. So of course, you know, we have doctors here, natural doctors and otherwise that are so uh, determined to figure it out. But here's the thing that I want to talk with you about. This idea of looking at a map that somebody puts mm. out <laughs> and then making a decision about how you should be out in the wilderness, I think that's one of the greatest injustices we can do to people. And my friends in Canada, I just need to say oh God, the, the poor entire country is in complete denial. It is. It is. I'll tell you a little story. I'll tell you a story right now. I'm a wilderness guy part-time. Uh, you know, because of my books, and I like to go and sometimes into the depths of Canada and Minnesota and Wisconsin, and I've picked the chagas there and hunted the herbs and help help hand pick some things that go into making medicines, and doing filming, and I've got a lot of film I've got to publish of me being in the wilderness. So I go to the far, far north of Canada. No ticks there, no lime, right? So this was years ago. This was about 30 years ago, 25, yeah, 25 years ago. After that trip, I spent quite a bit of time on, a, on an island, and it's, I don't know, five hours above the Minnesota border. After that trip, I couldn't move for two weeks. All I could do was sleep. Mm. And all of a sudden, my knee, my knee, the pain and agony in the knee, it didn't match the swelling, the sw swelling. I probably got some sort of a spirochete infection from a tick on that island. You can't take a full-grown, strong person and knock them down a week or two after they're in the bush unless they got something. Mm. So, so Canada is rife with Lyme, as you would expect, because it's a wilderness pot. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, again, there are areas with bigger concentration. Nobody denies it. Right. Now, now, the next thing is, with it being that widespread, our problem is the denial. Yeah. You're alerting people to this. Yeah. So it is pandemic. What can we do? What can we do? Because we have to do prevention or the whole country will go into the pot like Pharaoh's time or something, the frogs and the lice. And, and so what we can do is somehow not get the tick bite. Mm. You see? Yeah. And that, that's where I come in. Yeah. In, in the, in the despair of, what happened to me and as an aid to our fellows. I invented a concoction and then I went back into the woods to test it. I went into a very scrubby area that I knew had to have dog ticks. I didn't think there'd be any uh, Lyme ticks, but I sprayed half of my body with the concoction, all essential oils that I emulsified and the other half I didn't spray. I tried to do it blinded study I got in the car and I said, I don't see any ticks, so I'll have to do this again. And then as I sat in the truck, there are ticks coming up on the non-sprayed side, not on the sprayed side. I captured the ticks. I put a membrane, a cloth membrane on my desk, and I did a video on this. And I tried to push the tick to cross. I sprayed the spray on a barrier. It wouldn't cross. Wow. It wouldn't go anywhere near it. I captured a deer tick, a lime tick from a dog and did the same. It wouldn't cross the spray. I then sprayed the tick and it killed the tick. This is known as Herbal Protect X and it will protect you. This material is with the geranium. Rose geranium is very famous, but also extracts of cumin and rosemary and different other juniper and whatever. So this material, if you spray it on a dog or you spray it on a cat or you spray it on yourself, like unless you show me otherwise, we've been getting 100% protection from folks, especially right. dogs. Right. Spray the underbelly and between the shoulder blades. But if you spray yourself and you don't do the clothing thing, you increase your risks. If you just say, I'm going to do the shorts, I'm going to spray myself. Tick could come from a long blade of glass or something, grass. You've got to do the clothing thing if you're in a hot zone. You know what that is, don't you? No, tell everybody that may not know. The clothing thing is to forget about our American way, unfortunately, of shorts 
and short sleeves right. and sandals and no socks. No way. Life's changed, people. Lime's not worth it. If you want to protect yourself, you're going to need to take some sneakers with their light-colored, light-colored socks, light cloth pants. I'm talking about, you know, summer. Pull the socks over the pant leg, light long sleeve shirt, broad-brimmed hat. Now, with that, and then if you use a repellent, some people are going to use DEET, but you can't use DEET on a dog or a cat or a tiny child. So why not use something that's more effective, non-toxic? But if you do it all with a repellent, chance of getting Lyme disease, probably a 95 to 98% reduction. But Maybe I think more. What, what you're talking about, and let's just take a minute um, and let folks know that, you, first of all, for those of you that are listening, if you want to get a copy of the Lyme Disease Cure book by Dr. Cass Ingram or any of the other publications he has, just go to his website. Uh, want to make sure everybody out there has it, CassIngram.com, C-A-S-S-Ingram.com. Uh, the other thing is you're going to be able to go over there and take a look at you know, Herbal Protect X out there as well. Um, so there are a lot of a lot of things out there, information, uh, wild oregano as well. Uh, I want to ask you this question. Um, you and I are talking about this. I can't tell you how many times that I have um, had this conversation on air. And we still go out there or we know people that put their shorts on, go out there and somehow think that they're going to be immune from it. You know, it's kind of like my Italian grandmother used to say, eat a lot of garlic, eat a lot of garlic, and it keeps everything away. Uh, but we have- Well, that would be good if you ate, if you, <laughs> it's a, it's a, if, the, if they ate a ton of garlic and then went out, that'd be a better chance. But, you know. <laughs> Oh, but here's the question uh, came in, just brand new off the press. Is it true that if you use oil, your body does uh, on your body, does the tick fall off because of the oil? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I don't asking. know. I, I don't think that's a smart goal because yeah, yeah. you could oil yourself with olive oil. But if he's on a long thing and he gets attached to your backside, crawls up to your scalp and injects mm -hmm. you. You weren't even going to oil your whole body. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be effective. Um, but I suppose if you want to rub a bunch of oil on your legs, it might help a little bit. But you really need to, to not know that you have to be stealthy. The tick is stealthy, so you're stealthy. You smell now like a flower in a spice kitchen, and the tick doesn't even know you're there. It's not even, it's not even, it's not, can, it can't recognize you, can't smell your carbon dioxide, cannot smell your blood. Uh, all it knows is that it's a flower that it's passing. So um, it's going to wait until it smells the deer or the rat, you know. You know, here's the question I would ask you. Uh, yeah, we have a listener that's saying, yeah, I was told it will slide off. No, it won't. No, I don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. That either. thing crawls. Those tiny, tiny, tiny deer yeah. ticks, the size yeah. of a speck. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um. I want to ask you this question. I know we've got uh, a, a little time left. In the time that you have been immersed in this, what things have you seen that makes you more hopeful? It's tough. Mm -hmm. The thing that I've seen of the case histories of the people who would attacked it, you know, who who got my book, who's talked to me, uh, who 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 aggressively attacked the Lyme with. Five, ten supplements. The, for example, the, they took the purge. They took the, the oil of oregano, the super strength, the juice of oregano, the oregoresp. They took the bone active because I'll tell you about sage in a moment. Yeah. They, then, then they added in this, uh, this really interesting stuff, this canna curman, which is a combination of cannabis with turmeric. Wild turmeric is very powerful for the inflammation cascade. They added in the can of curmin. Some of them are adding black seed oil. So we, the, the hope that I have is when we found that we were adding in some black seed oil, some can of curmin, uh, when we add in the bone active, which is high in sage, then we're getting the Lyme cases instead of six months, nine months, a year, we're getting that they're better in two months. Mm. That's the encouragement I've seen. But... Most of these poor people, I mean, they have to spend thousands of dollars on these supplements to get well. 
um, and, 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 and otherwise they just do not get well. So it's a little bit, it's encouraging, but it's also overwhelming for our race, our, our country. Mm-hmm. How am I, and how am I going to reach all these teeming masses? That's the, that's the frustrating part. Yeah. But the encouragement is there. And when I write the new edition, maybe in a year, I can put some solid case histories proven now of people who had fulminant Lyme and who have their life back. So, yes. I have many case histories like that. Um, the other encouraging, the thing that's most encouraging in many ways to me is this this, this, this repellent. Yeah. I'm very pleased with this. The fact that the tick doesn't know you're there. The fact that uh, uh, that uh, it's so repellent to them uh, that that people could now enjoy the wilderness a little bit more. I love the wilderness and enjoy the outdoors a bit more with some feeling of security. The more they apply this, they don't need to apply that much. It's so powerful. But then the, the, in, the, the, the more they reduce the risk. And the fact that you could use this on an infant, the fact that you can use this on the dog. The dogs are going lame. The dogs are getting Lyme. The dogs are dying or, or prematurely. The dogs are getting arthritis. What good yeah. is that? Well, I, you know, let me ask you this question. In the book, you know, you have list of anti-Lyme remedies. You also talk about how important it is not to wait before you, not to wait to get sick, but to start to build up your immune system. Yes. I will give you an encouraging note there. If okay. you take, if you, if you were to get a hold of this uh, oil of wild oregano, the edible material, and you were to take that plus uh, something with sage in it, like the uh, bone active or a regress, they both have sage. I want to talk to you about sage. Yeah. If you were able to take a sage-based supplement, edible mountain sage, so I say maybe you take the oregano P73 and you take the bone act, the bone active capsules and rubbing oil. You, you rub the oil on you. Now that kind of an oil has a different mechanism, I'll tell you. You take okay. it under the tongue. Say you do those three. Yeah. You do it during the tick season. It's, if you got bit, you're not going to get such a severe case of Lyme. I'll tell you what it is. Okay. I found that sage, not just oregano oil extract, but sage extract, not sage brush, sage from the mountains in the Mediterranean where they use it as tea. Yeah. That sage helped cure the last residues of my Lyme. Remember that elbow that swelled up? Yeah. It was yeah. the sage. It was a yeah. sage-based supplements, okay? It was a regoresp and bone active. Now, I was lecturing about this, and a, a Hispanic chap gets up and he says, Doctor, do you know anything about the longhorn? I said, I don't know anything. Tell me. We used to graze them in Mexico. Now we raise them in Texas. And we know that whenever a tick bites a longhorn cow, the tick dies. You hear that? The tick drops dead. I said, per chance, wow. how much sagebrush does the oh. longhorn eat? You see? Yeah. Lots yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah. So it's the, it's the sage thujone which is so poisonous that it will kill the spirochete. So I've actually made a discovery. Mm-hmm. I haven't completely exposed that discovery because I want to, I'm trying to get a scientific study done. I'm not trying to patent anything. Forget it. I just, I'll, I just want to find the hard documentary proof of what I'm seeing in my clinical cases. When I add sage-based supplements, they get better twice as fast. See, and and so if the lady wants to rub any oil on it, on you, rub the bone active. That sage will repel the stupid things. Yeah. You know, I I think there are two two different points I, I I want to talk about here in the time we have left. We're talking about things that whether you think you have Lyme disease or not, uh, there is a long history of how some of these natural remedies work to strengthen the immune system, period, right? I, yes, I mean, there th- th- there's a history of it. I mean, that's there why is. we have- Like cannabis. I was just gonna ask you about cannabis because that now seems to be rising to the top, but I'm not talking about cannabis for pain relief. What can we know about it for curing? Cannabis in the form of an extract from industrial or agricultural yeah. hemp yep. is a very important natural medicine 
for inflammatory disease, not just little relief of pain, smoke some pot for the MS, which I support the, that use, but I'm more interested in extracts. I, I don't like to smoke anything anyway myself. Mm-hmm. But, so you mm-hmm. take an extract and you have arthritis, you have rheumatoid arthritis, you have uh, fibromyalgia, then it can potentially help cure you. Mm-hmm. You have Lyme arthritis. You should add a cannabis extract. Remember I told you about the can of Curman. We're having fantastic results. It combines cannabis with the wild turmeric. Uh, so uh, the other thing about cannabis is very, very effective for, uh, for neurological conditions at large. Chronic depression, obsessive compulsive, schizophrenia, anxiety, neurosis. It's very effective. You may only need that to get rid of it. It's very What's effective it? for tremor. What, what's the difference? Uh, I want to go back. What's the difference between, uh, you said two things, uh, rheumatoid arthritis and Lyme arthritis. Is there a Lyme difference? arthritis is a, is a type of rheumatoid arthritis. When it's not treated, it can cause synovial joint destruction and deformation. Mm-hmm. They're both infectious, but rheumatoid arthritis usually hits bilateral. Mm-hmm. Lyme arthritis usually hits unilateral. It can migrate to both sides, but... Uh, they're similar. Uh, mm-hmm. they, and they, they attack the synovial membrane. The the thing about the cannabis extract is that somehow it puts a balance or it regulates or it normalizes the inflammatory cascade and these people start to recover. Yeah. Now, what we've been using, we've been using, I told you that combination, but we've been using something called hempanol, like oreganol hempanol. Mm-hmm. That material is a crude, raw, organic, supercritical uh, cannabis extract. I've had success with that in all manner of chronic inflammation, including chronic Lyme. So it's something that's not in my book yet. It will be in the new edition down the road. Now, let me tell you something about that. I had a guy with Lyme tremor. He'd had it for 20 years. He He couldn't write his name on a piece of paper. So we give him this hempanol, give him his super strength. Two weeks later, he can write a letter. He doesn't have a complete eradication of the tremor because he's probably had some brainstem damage from the spirochete. But to go from not being able to jot a note to being able to write and type is huge. Yeah. And I don't know how that cannabis can do it, but it's something very special. You know, Paracelsus made a lot of medicine from that. So did mm-hmm. the Islamic doctors in the ancient Greek. The Islamic doctors made an extract that was so powerful that you could take a patient, operate on them, then you could render them asleep for a week, safely asleep for a week, so that they would wake up without feeling the surgical incision. The Greeks used to give it pre- and post-surgical. It would knock the people out. It would ease their pain. What happened to it? In, in Victorian times, the cannabis was in every doctor's black bag. How did you take it away? You didn't take yeah. the morphine away. Mm-hmm. You didn't take the codeine. Mm-hmm. You didn't even take the mercury away. They kept giving it as mercurochrome, but they took the cannabis. They wouldn't yeah. let us have it. I'm not saying they. It should be the, it should be the Rothschild, Rockefeller, and that other group, that, uh, the DuPonts. And Hearst, Randolph Hearst, they conspired to to destroy the hemp industry. But, you know, here we are, we're seeing a resurgence in it. You know, we're seeing now um, uh, stories of children that are epileptic and cannabis oil. Absolutely amazing, right? Absolutely amazing. Cannabis oil is very good. Marijuana oil is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBD oil is very good, but better is hempanol, case history, because it's the crude extract, and you want everything that's in there. The crude extract gives you all 450 active ingredients. Some of the cannabis extracts are down quite a bit, maybe mm-hmm. five ingredients, 10, 20, 30, 100. Some of them are whole food, but then they heat them and add solvents. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a case. Usually with epilepsy, it, uh, with the CBD, you get some good progress in a month or two. I had a kid seven-year-old with seizures, constant seizure syndrome. 72 hours, they disappeared. Hemp and all super strength, under the tongue and rubbed on his feet and shins. I got to, I got to do some, a study on this. I got to take 100 kids, treat them, rub it on the feet, shins, and spine, give them a few drops twice a day, and measure this. Anybody knows anybody, let me know. 
Mm. I'll do it. Well, I mean, this is really what we're talking about to get the word out so people know. But here's what I want to say about your book. You really laid this out beautifully. And, you know, folks can find out more about uh, much more on the website. Um, One last question I think I have time for, and it's this one. You you live in one of these high-risk states, let's just call them. You go to your doctor. Your doctor says, yeah, we can run the test. They run the test, but it's that 30-plus-year-old test. And they come back and they say, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You have to get the German technology. That's no good. You just just shot yourself in the foot. But how do you even ask for it? Because, listen, a state like New Jersey that should have, you know, knowledge about this, they don't even have knowledge. You can't even get the right test. I think you have to do your research online, IGENX test or what have you. you. You find the very, very, very best. You take that literature, staple it together, and tell your doctor, if you don't do it, I'm going to have to find somebody that will. They threaten us all the time. You don't threaten them. You say it in a peaceable way, but I've got to find somebody. got to find somebody that will help me. With hoping you would do it. Try that approach. Hoping you'd do it. Test is available. Like to have it. Let them say no. What do you mean no? I want the test. I'll pay for it. Well, who can you refer me to? Take that approach. Mm. Don't be hostile. Just be Columbo. Oh, by the way, hey, you know what? I'd like to have this test, Doc. Yeah. Don't, don't say, I think I got Lyme disease. Don't say <laughs> it. You want us to get a start a rebellion? I know. I know. Yeah. Doctor, Dr. Ingram, thank you so much for today. I got one last question. Uh, let folks know how they can find out more about you. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? I just hope we can help people not get the Lyme. And if they do have it, throw a little shed of hope. You can get rid of it. You just have to really work at it. You've got to be aggressive. Follow my book. If you do everything I tell you, you can get well. That's what I like to say. And maybe what Dr. Ingram and I will do is we'll actually do that show on the 10 myths, those things that you think you know are true but are really not about Lyme. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Ingram. Thank you so much for today. I want to thank you guys for tuning us in, turning us on. Don't worry. Lots more to come. His book, uh, The Lyme Disease Cure, loaded. Remember this. Don't ever give up hope because we're only at the beginning for the cure. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Lime Talk Radio with Dr. Pat Basili, epic healing for an epic life. This inspiring show highlights leading-edge solutions, groundbreaking research, headline topics, and tools for holistic healing and wellness. This hit show is dedicated to raising awareness, promoting advocacy and prevention, and supporting initiatives for optimal health. Dr. Pat is passionate and focused on life-saving results reaching far beyond Lyme disease, providing a forum for powerful stories, heart-opening experiences, and hope-activated solutions. Dr. Pat will shine a light on the many shades of Lyme disease fueled by a body-mind-spirit remedy. For more information, visit LimeTalkRadio.com and tune in next time.